Friends, good morning again. I want to take just a minute to introduce to you uh, my wonderful friend and colleague in the work, Reverend Dr. Stephen Sprinkle from Bright Divinity School. Steve, would you stand? We've talked a little bit about uh, Steve's work already this morning in the announcements, but I wanted you to see him. Uh, he, he helped Mike get here, I think, this morning, and he's finally arrived, and I wanted you to be able to bring his greetings. Um, I'm going to talk about Steve's work a little more in a minute, but I want to talk to you first about a fellow named Theophilus. Did you hear his name in the, in the epistle reading, the Acts of the Apostles? The author of the Gospel of Luke and the Acts of the Apostles was a patron, had a patron. He had a patron whose name was Theophilus. In ancient times as today, those who create great works of art, music, sculpture, prose, and poetry, are often supported by people of means who can help them keep body and soul together while they work on their art so they can spend full time on their art. And a patron is a wonderful, wonderful thing to be. Dr. Steve Sprinkle went in search of some patrons when he got a calling from God. He got a calling to God to begin to gather the stories of queer hate crime murder victims so that he could learn more about the root causes of hate violence and how to prevent it in the future. And in doing so, he realized pretty quickly that the vast nature of this project was going to require more than he had at hand. It was going to require money for travel so that he could go and get to know the families and the friends of the people who had been lost in these horrible crimes. He would need to travel to be able to set up the meetings uh, to do things like create websites where their stories could go and be cataloged and forevermore now not lost. They're in the ether, but they are not lost. And he needed money to be able to get on the road to come places like Resurrection Church, as he did first in 2008 and now again this last Friday, to tell the stories that he has learned and to tell us even beyond the memorialization of those stories and those people we love what we can learn from their deaths, what we can learn from their lives, and what we can do here in Houston to make this place safer and saner for everyone because of the loss that we suffered when those folks left us. So he needed a Theophilus, right? And he came to me and to a bunch of other folks and uh, he asked us to help him raise the money to get this program started. Now, you probably don't know it, but because of connections that I and Reverend Duane and others had, uh, you have been Steve's Theophilus. Uh, if you have given money to the Human Rights Campaign in the last several years, or to this congregation any time since 2008, you have been supporting, in part, this incredible work that Steve has been doing and from which we're benefiting now. So I want you to feel some holy pride in that. As it, did you know that you were patrons? 
poof, you're a patron. <laughs> I know, don't call you poofs, okay. Uh, <laughs> but you are, Blanche. So I thank you for your generosity, and I know that Steve Sprinkle thanks you for your generosity in helping him to create this incredible program that is now changing the lives and saving the lives of untold thousands of people, not just in this country, but around the world. I thank God for the generosity that you've shown, and I also thank God for the generosity of this man, Theophilus, to whom the author of the Gospel of Luke addresses the sequel to his Gospel, the Acts of the Apostles. Theophilus helped Luke keep body and soul together financially while he wrote first the Gospel of Luke and then the Acts. Without Theophilus, we might never have heard of the martyrdom of Stephen, Paul's conversion on the road to Damascus, Peter's vision of a Gospel inclusive of everybody, not just the Jews, and the missionary travels of Paul, Silas, John Mark, and others. Because Theophilus was faithful with the gifts God had given to him and put them to use for God's purposes, Luke's ancient writings have been used by Holy Spirit to inspire generation after generation of Christians to their own courageous acts and indeed they now inspire us at Resurrection Church to fully live into our mission to share the unconditional love of God through Christian action. Thanks be to God for Theophilus, and thanks be to God for you. As Luke picks up the story of the Acts of the Apostles where he left off with his Gospel of Jesus, he repeats with a different emphasis the story of Jesus' ascension to the right hand of God in heaven. The Gospel of Luke ends with a simpler version and Luke expands on it when he picks it back up in Acts. As he picks the story back up, he reminds his readers and all of us that the Jesus of whom he speaks is the risen Christ. The disciples are continuing to struggle with the idea that everything has changed since Jesus' triumph over death. Most are thrilled to have Jesus with them, having grieved so heavily the apparent loss of him when he died. Some have been, had to be convinced. You remember that sad scene with Thomas where Jesus makes him touch his side, the wounds in his hands. Others have recognized Christ at table. And in the breaking of bread, the sharing of the wine, they have seen him fully alive as he was with them when he had gone through those motions many, many times before and how powerfully life-giving that act had been for them. They recognized in that moment that he was alive. So now all recognize that Christ is alive among them, still capable of the miraculous things they had seen him do over their years together. What they don't seem to get is that there has been a paradigm shift, a change in focus from Jesus to them. Jesus, by word and deed, has been giving them for the last 40 days since he was resurrected, 
lessons, instructions for their new roles as leaders in the movement we call the reign of God on earth. They are still worried, for instance, these disciples about who's in local control in Israel, who's going to be in power uh, in Jerusalem. While Jesus is trying to raise their sights beyond political boundaries altogether, much beyond that, to the whole world, their minds are on local potentates, while Jesus is trying to get them to focus on the God who the psalmist says is so, so awesome that all of the royals of the world lay their war shields down at God's feet. Jesus is trying to get their sights higher. They want to know what Jesus is going to do to restore the glory of Israel. But Jesus says, <laughs> not Israel, but the world. And by the way, not me, you. You. Just wait, Jesus says. In a few days, you will be so filled with the Holy Spirit, you will think you're back at Jordan splashing around with John the Baptist. Holy Spirit will wash all over you. Spirit will drip from your body. You will be filled with all you need from a never-ending supply. And my work will be your work now. Oh, it'll always be my work as long as you do it in my name and look to my God and your God for guidance. But you will be the ones to tell the world what I have done and what I want to do and what the world can accomplish if it will simply live within my love. You will be my witnesses in Montrose and the Heights where the folks are pretty much like us and already share our values. But you'll share it in Samaria too those neighborhoods where you used to just lock the doors and keep driving and you'll share it in the neighborhoods you drive through where people on the street cut their eyes at you and mistrust and wonder what it is you're doing in their neighborhood you'll share this good news in Samaria too filled with Holy Ghost discernment you won't need to be afraid of people you don't understand and who don't understand you Holy Spirit will be at work in the lives of the people to whom you speak, just as Spirit is alive in you. So you all will recognize each other as sisters and brothers when you sit down to tell your stories. And friends, it's as simple as that. Telling your stories. Sharing your stories of what Jesus has done in your life. Inviting your friends and family members and neighbors to come to church with you not because you want to make them into something they're not, but because you want to extend the conversation you've been having with them about what Jesus is doing in your life and in theirs. Now that's an invitation people want to respond to. We're interested in what's happening in the lives of our neighbors because we are so keenly aware of all that God has done in our own lives. Now, June is Pride Month. Not just by declaration of our wonderful mayor and the President of the United States, 
June is Pride Month because transgender, lesbian, gay, and bisexual people have told our stories of liberation over kitchen sinks and in work cubicles and on ball fields and on oil rigs and wherever it is that we have been over the last 40 years. June is called Pride Month now because a lot of us have shown our pride in our partners, in our spouses, in our unique gifts for creating and sustaining joy, in our found families, and in our inclusive and liberating faith. We have been witnesses to the freedom and joy God wants for God's people, and those around us have responded by opening their hearts up to us and to the great message of greater experience of love and acceptance in their own lives. Our work is not done, but we have learned the lessons of love and liberation for ourselves and have revolutionized our country and much of the world. The world is a happier, safer, and saner place because queer people have had the audacity to believe that a few people living with integrity and happiness and hope could make a difference. The Courageous History of Resurrection Metropolitan Community Church stands as a monument to the power of Holy Spirit at work in the world. Like the disciples gazing into the sky, people in our city and around the world look up at us with slack-jawed wonder at all that has happened here. Of that history, we can be legitimately and wholly, H-O-L-Y, proud. But as your pastor, I have to tell you, it worries me when people put us on that kind of pedestal. If people just look at us as if we've somehow ascended with our Savior, it may mean that we are failing now to get down on the earth and do the work Christ called us to do. No pedestals for us. Holy pride, but no pedestals this June season. Christ doesn't want folks to look at us in reverence. Jesus wants us to talk with them. Jesus wants us to tell them about all God has done here and all God wants yet to do. Christ is calling us into deep conversation with our neighbors first about who they are and what they need and then about how Resurrection Church can be in ministry with them. We must be able to listen more than we talk in order to be able to share, when it's finally our turn, a word of hope and transformation to those who are in conversation with us. We can enter into those conversations, though, without any fear. Hear me, friends. Without any fear. Even, even if the conversation is with the homeless, queer youth whose problems seem unsolvable to us, we can enter that conversation without fear. Even if it's with differently abled people whose need from us may be companionship more than aid, even if it's with people whose poverty is a gulf between us, even if it's a people whose wealth is a gulf between us, we can enter into those conversations without fear. 
even if it is with people whose gender expression challenges our own, even if it's with straight people who say they worship on the same mountain, but whose God seems different from ours sometimes. Oh, they seem like Samaritans to us. But some of them are good. Some of them are good. Resurrection people, our job is not to stand gazing at the sky. Instead of wondering when we will next be visited by the presence, our calling is to start acting like the powerful, spirit-filled people we already are. Here is a challenge I hope you will accept. I want to ask you right now to close your eyes and visualize someone in your friendship or family circle who would benefit from being part of Resurrection MCC and whose gifts we would benefit from having among us. Would you do that? Close your eyes and meditate a moment or two on someone you know whose life would be enriched by being here and whose presence here would enrich our lives. Now I want to ask you to pray for that person. Ask God to help you find a way to be a good spiritual friend to him or her during the month of June. Ask God to open the pathways to conversation and invitation and service that will allow you to be an ambassador of Christ's love to that person this Pride Month. Ask God to make us here at Resurrection MCC the kind of church that will minister to that person's spiritual and emotional and physical needs. And now let me join you please in prayer. Lord Jesus Christ, we love you and we want very much to do what it is you have asked us to do. To be your voice, your hands, your feet in Houston and in Texas and in all the world. Give us the courage, give us the love, that will allow us to reach out to those around us in order to really get to know them. And as we get to know them, teach us what it is we need to do to make this church the home for them you want it to be. Amen.